Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Oki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, this week is our first go round the cycle. Uh, I started off with Akira. We went to David's pick, which was Delicious in Dungeon, and then uh, Deb's pick with Mermaid Forest, Rumiko Takahashi. So we're done. We're through the cycle. This is it. This is our first like. You can get bored of us now. <laughs> I think portion of the of it. But uh, in order to not get bored, I kind of wanted to pick something that would be completely insane. So this week we're discussing Helter Skelter by Kyoko Kozaki. Uh, published by Vertical Inc., the translation is credited to Vertical Inc. It's not credited to an individual translator, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen that before, and uh, I, I reached out to Vertical to see, or ver- Vertical employees, or formal former Vertical employees, and uh, didn't get a response. So we'll just let that go. But uh, translation credited to Vertical Inc. Helter Skelter is by Kyoko Kozaki, who is widely regarded as the sort of most groundbreaking um, Jose mangaka um jose is you know for everybody listening at home as well for chip you know shonen manga is, is shonen jump we're all kind of familiar with that now it's the naruto's it's the one pieces it's the you know uh the the stuff that david likes <laughs> no no david's more of a sane guy um but it's it's the it's the like boys action adventure the counterpart to that is shoujo which is girls manga and much like in the west it's funny the readership of shonen manga is a, is around 50% male 50% female whereas the readership for shoujo is about 90% 95% you know female 5% male so Girls will read boy things, but boys will not read girl things. And it's the same for the next age level up, which is uh, seinen manga and jose manga. Seinen is sort of old, like men's, like older boys manga, men's manga, young men's manga. Uh, it translates a couple different ways. Um, but that's things that we read like Delicious in Dungeon or Akira. This is our first foray into jose, which is uh, women's comic, young young women's comics, pre, pre-marriage <laughs> women's comics in a lot of different ways. There's... There's real stratifications on gender lines in Japan and real stratifications on age lines in Japan. And the manga ratings <laughs> uh, follow the manga, the manga genres sort of follow that in Japan. But when they come to North America, they become very, something very different. I think this is very much a story by, for, and about women. But at the same time, there's nothing in it that isn't just contemporary fiction that anyone could read and I think pull something from. It's a very... Well, I'll just I'll read the back of the book for you real quick. After cutting edge, full body plastic surgery, supermodel model Lilico's career is white hot. But as her body begins to break down, she grows desperate and unhinged, lashing out as she realizes her expiration date as a product of pop culture is dangerously close. A surreal examination of the human cost of fame and the ugly side of glossy celebrity culture. Helter Skelter won the 2004 Osama Tezuka uh, Culture Prize and has been adapted into a feature film. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's about, but it's also about a lot of other stuff. And it is also, well, the marketing materials for both the movie and the book describe it as psychological horror, as opposed to (laughs) contemporary fiction or drama or anything that it could. So I think that there's a lot here. I picked it because it's a book that I think is really important and I actually really love but I'm also really firmly, really keenly aware this book is not for everybody. And it could be just as off-putting from like 
page one, well, page two, <laughs> as it could be, you know, as it could be something that grabs you. So I wanted to start off, as always, and ask, Chip, what did you think about it? That's weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was great. Like, it was such a departure from the previous previous choices. Like, I think so far everything's been very distinct. Mm. Not that I wasn't expecting mm. that, but, but this one felt uh, the most for adults. Like, uh, <laughs> as I was reading, I was like, oh, this is like a... This is like a New York Times kind of bestseller novel that, you know, people, you know, the New Yorker would write up and people would talk about would have real crossover potential with like kind of mainstream audiences as well. Like um, Mm. super smart, super adult, a drawing style I've never really encountered before. Mm. You know, um, I don't know if I want to get too much into it right now before we all. Uh, Yeah, before we. I really wanted to hear your initial mm-hmm. thoughts uh, because I was half convinced starting that this, this that this was the one the one you were going to be like fuck this book I can't deal uh, and I'm glad it wasn't like I'm really glad it wasn't but I had no idea going into this if you were gonna if you were just gonna reject it outright because it has it has some it has some some things to say that are very cynical very mean and I'm and I'm just I'm a joyous person with a pure heart <laughs> and I can't handle that as you know. <laughs> I do know that, yes. Sex Criminals available now wherever yeah, books exactly. are sold. Uh, so yeah. So let's go let's go to the rest of the crew. David, you're the next person on my screen. What'd you think? What'd you think of this one? Uh I liked it, but it took me a while to come around to it. I was mm. really waiting for the moment when um Lily Co was gonna like murder someone or her full body plastic surgery would be revealed to be like some kind of supernatural thing or something. Like, more of a twist than, like, oh, this is just ruining her life and making everyone miserable. Yeah. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Was this your first time reading it? Yeah, I thought that I'd read this before, but apparently not. I might have been thinking of uh, Pink, her her other book that I think Vertical Mm. put out. Yeah. Um, But, like, the fashion thing was interesting. I could easily see this being, like, about, like, a sports star or a musician, the same kind of, like, abuse of power. uh, Yeah like exercising your id at all costs kind of a deal. Yeah, all all mm. eyes are on you and yeah. how that changes you. I'm really surprised that there, I don't think that there is a manga, there's a, a male counterpart, or not a male counterpart even necessarily, but like a uh, like a sports counterpart. Because mm-hmm. um, like this story could be told, yeah, steroids, you know, mm. juicing is, is huge, right? Especially undetectable, you know, sort of the kinds of things that you get into with the undetectable plastic surgeries mm-hmm. in this. I'm surprised there's no manga like that. And I think it's because that would be drugs, uh, whereas <laughs> this is surgery. Mm. And that's a very Japanese distinction about uh, legal or illegal There's drugs. a bunch of drugs in it, too. Well, yeah, yeah. Let, let Deb, yeah. what did you what did you think? What did you think about this guy? Uh, it's been a little while since I've, I've read it. Uh, so, like, coming mm. back to it again, it, it's fresh. It's I, I appreciate the art style because it's very um, stylish, mm. and um, but also very sketchy. So it gives it kind of, this kind of, like, um, nervous energy. Also, to the... It pulls no punches as far as, like, making comments about fame and how... You know, I mean, it's the... The, the the main character of the story is really despicable, yeah, <laughs> and pitiful and and horrible, and so. But it it doesn't give you any easy easy ways of um, understanding her. You know, mm. like it's not like you can say like, well, she's just evil, uh, or oh, she's just a victim. You know, it's like 
like there's a there's another younger model who comes along and who deals with the same level of fame and um, pressure and she just she ha- she's completely well adjusted about it yeah so yeah. at you know, first because she's young she's 15 yeah which is also yeah <laughs> when they when they mention her age i'm like oh yeah that is modeling i always forget yeah. like how young mm-hmm. uh models get started in that industry it was interesting because it's pre-Instagram, it's pre-internet kind of fame, you know, ash- issues of fame, right? I mean, you, mm-hmm. most of the other manga that I see about women dealing with fame are things like, uh, like the shoujo manga, uh, Not My Idol, for example. Mm. This one is very grown up and about aging, or fear of aging, um, mm. power. Mm-hmm. It's it's got a lot. And yeah. So ironically, this was actually. <laughs> This was serialized in a magazine called Feel Young, Ooh, <laughs> which is like pretty much, you know, depending on who you talk to. But for my money, I think it's the best Jose manga magazine. There's been mm. so much good stuff that has been serialized that I've been able to get my hands on and read that, that's coming to Feel Young. Um, Chihaya Furu is also from Feel Young, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Chihaya Furu. Um, some other stuff that I was really interested in and pitched to Viz and they passed on because Jose doesn't sell. Mm. Uh, so that's, we got to talk about that too. I want to talk about how this is, this sold exceptionally badly. But first, <laughs> since we all mentioned the art and uh, at least two of us are professional artists, let's dig into the art here. Shoujo ma- manga, girls comics, developed out of the work of Tezuka and other like people in the 50s and r- quickly got codified, went into its own space. There were lots of women who came in. There were like really influential gay dudes who came in who sort of made that like what we think of the, as the manga look or the anime look, the huge eyes, the sparkles, the beautiful hair, the like yeah. f- attention to fashion. And Jose Manga takes that one step further and it like the characters themselves almost become uh, more abstract on the page. They become ideas of characters. They become ideas of beauty. They become ideas of, mm-hmm. of what have you. And um, Kyoko Kozaki has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Her look here, her style of art, and she actually started in the early, late 80s and early 90s. She was doing fashion illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes to this from an illustrator's yeah. background as well as a manga background. She was doing comics, obviously, as well as some design work. And her look here became, for a long time, the look of Jose Manga. Uh, even authors like, um, well, a, a good example is Moyoko Ano, who was the assistant to, to, to Kyoko Kozaki. I think in, earlier in her career, her work has become more and more like Okazaki Sensei's work mm. over time. And uh, you can really see it in Memoirs of Am- Amorous Gentlemen, which is her newest work in English. It's digital only on Crunchyroll, and it's not a great presentation of the work, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, her work has moved from this like beautiful, chibi, cute shoujo, you know, sugar and spice and everything nice look, to looking more and more like Okazaki as she's gotten uh, further along in her career, which I think is really interesting. Chip, you, what did you think of the art? You're, uh, this is, like you said, this is an art that you've encountered before, maybe ever. And I'm curious what you thought. Um, it was pretty off-putting at first. Mm. Um, like, I, I can immediately tell that um, the artist had previously been a fashion illustrator. Yeah, like, this is the first page. And this is, mm. like, both, like, yeah. this is, like, a real satire of beauty right mm. there. But, like, but like in, in terms of depiction of Lilico, like, you can you can tell that there's kind of fashion illustration background there um but not Mm. a lot beyond that 
So mm. like what happens is a lot of it ends up being very crude, awkward, anatomy is off, like some of the decisions aren't ones I would make. And they're kind of rendered mm. in a very kind of flat style for the most part. Mm. But kind of as I read it, and as I kind of got used to it, I started to appreciate it more because it was, mm. it felt more like a vehicle in order to tell the story and to like kind of highlight the main character and their beauty and their ugliness at the same time. Like mm. it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting choice. Like I don't think this would have worked, you know, if you had uh, any of the other artists that we've talked about drawing them, you know? Mm. No, cause you can't, it's actually, um, it's a funny thing. Emily Carroll, I got to, I asked her a question once at, a, at an event and she drew a story that had sexual assault, had rape mm. in it. And I was like, your work is beautiful. Like your work is legitimately gorgeous. How do you draw truly terrible things without making it pretty? Mm. And I think she had a, like, she was like, it was really hard. It was really, really hard to fight against my, my desire as an artist to make things look good on the page when the things that I'm trying to make look good are, are, are reprehensible and I don't want them to look good. And I feel like there's a lot of this, mm. that idea in this work that like, if you dash these things off and her work looks very mm. quick, maybe you are not embellishing it maybe you are like literally this is the clearest like this is like basic prose you know what i mean like this is all in the reader now if i just leave this on the page with very little ornamentation it's up to the reader to make the call about what's pretty if it's ugly if it's hideous you know yeah. that kind of thing what you, and that's that's what i felt for i mean me. emily carroll even when she was depicting horrific things they're still gorgeous like she can't <laughs> she can't not make things look stunning um, they still look mm. horrific, but it, it's done with such an elegance. Like she's she's above and beyond mm. almost any illustrator working today. Um, but this yeah. is very much a how do I tell the story style mm. with with speed and like kind of brutality. David, you said you you kind of bounced off of the the line like the artwork uh, at first too. Yeah, it feels sort of. Um... Like if I found this at a comic con, like going through Artist Alley, I would assume like American indie comic, like early two mm. thousands. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and one thing that sort of struck me about it was the way that she uses the screen tone for the shadows and the, the drawing, the lighting, and that kind of thing. Where it's almost like she doesn't like cutting screen tones, so she found a really impressionistic way to use it instead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. And Kinda sometimes like... it's amazing. Other times it's like a little less successful, but it's. Um, I think it speaks to what Chris was saying about like drawing something horrible in a way that's not really aspirational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause theoretically there's a lot of stuff in this book that would be amazing. Like being famous, um, like getting a crazy rings from your partners and that kind of thing. But mm. it's never drawn like it's a thing you actually want. <laughs> yeah. There's like maybe four panels of someone having a good time in this manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even the yeah. sex is rather perfunctory. Yeah, yeah or horrible. Yeah, or gross. gross. Yeah. yeah, or like, uh, or the sex you find out about after the fact is even uh, worse somehow. Yeah. Uh, I, I so. liked how the sex stuff was handled, like like mm. like with weird cropping and kind of balloons covering a, yeah. a lot of the acts because it's not about you know I, I had this bit with sex criminals where it's not about titillating the reader, mm. mm-hmm. like that's not the mm. goal here. Mm. It's to kind of like it's to tell the story and. The stuff with the uh, the mind games with uh, Hada and uh, her boyfriend, 
Yeah. Um, wow. It was, it was really, it was super intense, even though it wasn't depicted graphically, you know? Mm-hmm. There was a cliffhanger yeah. uh, with those two that actually it really bothered me while I was reading. I was like, when are they going to get back to what the heck happened? Mm-hmm. But it's just sort of swept under the carpet of all the other abuse. I'm, I'm flipping through the book now trying to find yeah. the, uh, the scene. Again. Was it was, was it when, with uh, Hada tied up? Yeah. And the whatever inserted? <laughs> yeah. And the boyfriend's I know. like, yeah, I'll be over soon. It's like, okay, like they're obviously going to follow up on this terrible thing that's going to happen. But it, they just kind of roll with it. They they cut away. There is like a one panel denouement on that, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's sort of um, like I don't know if you all have read Straight Bullets, but mm-hmm. there, so the series went on hiatus for like five years, and the last issue before the hiatus, a major character was locked in a trunk. So for five yeah. years, there was like this cliffhanger of like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to this person? Wow. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of cliffhanger. Where I was just waiting, you know, for the other shoe to come down. Like this is where the the more horrible things start happening. Yeah, because the next time you see Hada, I think she's about to commit another atrocity on behalf of Lilico. Like yeah. it goes from that yeah. scene, and then later. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I did notice a it's few just, times she's not important enough to come back to. She's not important enough to mm. save and Lilico's because it's Lilico's story. Yeah, right? I, I, I noticed uh, a few a few instances where there would be a lot of kind of black box white text that are kind of just like kind of filling in the blanks a little bit. I think mm-hmm. this is another case mm-hmm. where when I was reading, it was like how much of this is, um, you know, lost in the translation or the translators trying to like mm-hmm. trying to bridge gaps or things aren't quite. I don't think any of it, honestly, yeah. I think when it, when it happens, like this is an example of a page where uh, there's like a black text on my bottom. And this one very specifically is, it's it's a magazine article, mm-hmm. and I think it would, um, you know, it's that's one of the problems that's lost in translation is that uh, Japanese magazines have a very specific look to them when they have like text over overlays and things like that that we don't always mm. get uh, in mm. translations. Like if you look at that double page spread at the end, would have read really mm. clearly. If you look at Feel Magazine, which this the story ran in uh, when it was released in Japan. You can tell by the way that the text is laid out and the way that magazine covers and things like that are designed that it's very different than how we would do graphic design in mm-hmm. North America. And if you're following along at mangasplaining.com, you can see the cover that I'm talking about. Right away, you can see things like, you know, this kind of text, this like bubbly, you know, thicker Japanese text is the same sign of font that they used on the back of the book when they left some of the Japanese intact or remade it for the for the English language mm-hmm. edition. But the fact that this, you know, beautiful illustration of a lady's face on Feel Young magazine has no fewer than five different fonts and the text goes right across like the face and stuff. It's just a different kind of graphic design. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that uh, when I was reading this this time I could see what it was supposed to be in the Japanese mm-hmm. edition, but when I read it the first time, I couldn't because I just didn't have that cultural know-how. And that is one of the problems of of, of translation, of, of, of moving works between spaces, is that, yeah, you might have a really, really good translator, but if you're not if you don't have a designer that is also super versed in Japanese design trying to translate the design mm-hmm. of the work, I think that's a problem. And that was maybe, honestly... That was maybe my only problem with the whole book is I thought that the design needed more 
mm. oomph than it got. It was. It looked like it was lettered by a letterer. And as someone who is and was a letterer, no shade there. But like being a graphic designer is a different mm. thing. It's like a different skill. And I, I kind of wanted that. But uh, but yeah, Deb, we didn't get your your whole feedback on the art, and I wanted to go back to. That oh, I mean, to, to segue from the, what you were saying about the text, some of the text decisions were kind of suspect in my mind. Like like really? using mm. using like a. Like a Times Roman, like a like a serif font, a thin mm. serif font on black. Some some of that stuff yeah. was really hard to read. Like I had to take off my glasses and try to read, you know, the text. So I thought, oh, quick check: who is reading it physical? Who's reading it digital? I have I have a physical copy. Uh, digital. digital. There you go. I found that the black, the white text on a black background, especially when it was Times New Roman, but even when it was like technical or whatever this font is, was actually pretty hard to read uh, at times uh, just because of printing issues. So, yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. They should have maybe given that a little bit more thought. But also it's trying to duplicate what the Japanese did. So that's a tough thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, the lettering th- was not my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. There's no letter accredited. We'll be. We're yeah. okay. We're not. We're not. We're not going after anyone in particular. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. Um, I. I want to. I think. I think I want to ask. About, the shock value of this book, um, because I think that's a big part of it, and it's baked into what the author was trying to accomplish. I don't think it's. I think it is supposed to shock and distract and unnerve people. And Chip, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on that because I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that's something that happens except in horror in the West. Like people aren't trying to deliberately upset people with, with work. Uh, and this is clearly supposed to be upsetting. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like I didn't find it shocking. Like I could, mm. You know, David mentioned he was kind of waiting for the supernatural horror twist, and I, I didn't have that. Maybe it's because I haven't read enough manga to have that. Um, like from the get go, I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. When they mentioned the the, the fetuses, like immediately, I'm just like, okay, she's been getting you know treatments, and she's falling apart, and she's going to fall apart and kind of lose her mind throughout and play with these people. Like I kind of saw where it was go- like where it was going so it wasn't really shocking i was a, a little shocked by some of the um some of the sex stuff mm. mostly because i wasn't expecting it in in manga i don't know why i wasn't <laughs> what what do you mean specifically like like the uh the, the mind game mm. threesome stuff mm. yeah and specifically the scene that david and i were referencing with her tied up with whatever inserted that didn't feel good <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay. This is really this is going, this is going places." Um, yeah, but it was, it was it was yeah. It just felt like an adult story. Like I didn't I didn't see I didn't see it being shock for any kind of shock sake. It was just more like yeah. It was just, it was just a, a well told story with kind of a uh, a wide interesting cast of characters, all with something to do and something that they want, you know. The, the you know the only point where I kind of got tricked up a little bit was the de- mm. the, the main detective character like mm-hmm. towards the end when it turned into Twin Peaks yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a few pages like that felt a little kind of I kind of I kind of wish that they seeded that a bit more towards the beginning mm. and, and and played with it. I saw that as an escalation mm. of the drug abuse. Uh, yeah. I saw that she was having these visions because she was so fucked up on on 
the drugs. Yeah, I just I expected it sooner. Mm. Like it felt like it mm, felt like yeah. it was a bit kind of like there was a sharp like okay, and now we have this happening. Mm-hmm. I do want to come back to that, but maybe it's not quite the right time yet. But uh, on the shock value front, yeah, I think that it was yeah, yeah. shocking, but in sort of a like this story's been ripped from the headlines kind of shocking. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And something about it feels very much. Uh, if there weren't news articles like in the paper about this sort of thing when this was coming out, I'd be very surprised. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I I want to. It's funny you mentioned that. I was doing uh, the show notes for Akira yesterday, and I looked at the I looked up Domu because we ended up talking so much about Domu in episode zero, and Domu Domu is ba- based on a real housing development north wow. of Ikebukuro where a dozen to two dozen people a year would throw themselves mm. off of the top of it. And this is like a real place where people live to this day. And he saw this in the newspaper. He was like, oh, this is like the, the most suicide place in Japan. I'm definitely going to make a manga about this. Wow. And that's where Domu came from. Wow. Uh, so like, you want to talk about rip from the headlines, that finding that out about Domu was crazy. So yeah, absolutely. Helter Skelter. Like she references real fashion brands in here. Yeah. She's ref anytime that they give people just uh, initials or they bleep out names. Those are real people. This was running alongside mm-hmm. other work she was making. And that other work was actually in fashion magazines. She was serializing comics in fashion magazines as much as she was serializing mm-hmm. in manga magazines. So yeah, this was hyper current, like hyper cutting edge mm-hmm. at the time it was coming out. This like super high end beauty stuff. Uh, so, I remember, I don't know if we mentioned what, like what's the, uh, what's the year this came out? Oh, sorry. So this, it's a weird one. It was actually written originally in 1995 and 1996. Okay. And the Tonkuban, which is the version that we're reading here, the, the trade paperback, came out in 2003. Okay. Which kind of makes sense. Sorry, David, I interrupted you there. I want to go back to what you were thinking. About the, the ripped at the headlines. Oh, me. Uh, sorry, I was, that was such like a stirring speech about it being shot. Oh, sorry. I was like, so, it was so, it was so... <laughs> It fucked me up yesterday wow. when I was doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm working on it. Sorry. Uh, but it even begins uh, with a quote, like a word before we begin, a laugh and a scream are very similar. I think she's definitely trying to evoke a bunch of gross feelings and pretty successfully, yeah. like I, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> like the page two, page three spread is like literally a spread. Like it is a naked woman, except for a bustier lying spread eagle. And it's a double page, full color spread on page two and page three with like pubic hair. And like, this is the thing about shock value. And this is something that I don't know translated to this work. This feels like a mature work. I feel like it would really be off-putting, but showing pubic hair in manga, like was actually illegal and still is illegal in Japan. Mm -hmm. So for her to have these spreads where you see Lilico fully nude with like her, her, you know, pubic hair bush hanging out, that's like getting fined or going to jail (laughs) level work. Like for that to appear in like a, like even a women's magazine is shocking as fuck uh, in a Japanese context. And even here you're flipping, you're like, Oh, that's a lot. Like insertion, the insertion bit, like the fact that she drew, she didn't shy away from drawing anything is so different than manga, not only of the period, but even today where like people, well, not as much today, but maybe five years ago, <laughs> the Tokyo governor had a pickle up the 
podcast about erotic manga. But uh, it's interesting because she actually started out in the research I was doing. Uh, her first manga was Arrow Manga, like in a men's magazine. Uh, she was drawing like hentai or what we think of as hentai, but Arrow Manga and moved into girls comics, women's comics. And then sort of this is the pinnacle of her of her work. And I think it's really it's really interesting in that regard. Does she you mentioned that she had work running in fashion magazines as well. Is it like this or was it more this, fashion illustration? So you were at Pink, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Pink is the one about the girl who's working as a call girl at night to pay for her pet alligator, uh, her pet alligator that she literally feeds men to when she's done with them. It's good. It's very good, actually. But I wanted to start with this one because this one is like less abstract in a way. That one's good. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. But, but like, like, absolutely, these themes, like, she is absolutely a feminist mangaka and especially in 1995 1996 she inspired a generation of feminist mangaka Mm -hmm. like ano sensei and like other people working in the manga industry today precious few of whom have been translated into english unfortunately that's the way it goes but yeah like she all this this thread runs through all of her work of like the expectations that women that are placed on women, the expectations that women places place on themselves, society, all these things, and they just manifest in very different ways. Like obviously, this is the this is a pretty fucking hardcore <laughs> exploration of those ideas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Like even her, even her. Like I don't think she could get away with naming brands in a fashion magazine in a critical con- complex or, or context. Sorry, but absolutely, she would still do things like that and then her other work you go read it to see what she really thinks it's like when chip does an image book instead of a marvel book and you get to see what he really thinks about it. <laughs> shout out to image and marvel <laughs> shout out to image and marvel on uh, dc sorry uh, the batman the batman but yeah like i think especially after working in fashion magazines this is towards the end of the, her her manga making career this is so critical of like the fashion industrial mm-hmm. complex you know what i mean that mm-hmm. like this is someone who's been working in this in this this genre, this mode, these spaces for ten years and seen the things that have happened. I think it's shocking. Uh, obviously, it's shocking. But things like the acid attack—that's something that happened. That's something that absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. Things like you know all the suicides. Like unfortunately, that's a real thing. And the call girl rings and the whatever. Like these are all real things. And usually, they don't make their way into mainstream manga magazines. Usually, they're in the tabloids, yeah. uh, which also get fucking roasted in this book too, which I think is like, she is having her cake and eating it too with this one. I think it's really interesting. As you can tell, I love this book, but, but yeah, let's, let's, let's go actually about that. So yeah, cultural context, like that nudity uh, that you, that we saw that we kind of take for granted in something that's mature is literally, is like literally legally transgressive in its original context. And that's something that it's hard to bring the translation across for, but I think is a big part of why this manga created such a stir when it was being serialized in Japan and why it uh, became a sort of lasting, well, there's other reasons too. We'll get into that too. Yeah. Here's a quick, quick question. Chip, you've read this now. Would you, it's not a pleasant place, like even though it's well done, it's not a pleasant place to to spend time necessarily. Uh, it's not reading for fun all the time. Would you go and read another work by her? Would you like the other only one that's in English is pink. Would you be like, yeah, I want to read that or I'll put it on the to read pile, but I'm not rushing. Um, yeah, I, I definitely read more, um, uh, probably more down the line. Like it, I, it doesn't disturb me. I, I find I have a disconnect between like, say reading a novel versus a graphic novel because the graphic novel I know I'm going to be able to consume it in like a 
three hours, four hours. Mm. Uh, whereas a novel, you kind of sit with it a lot longer. I don't, I don't tend to be like kind of like shocked by a graphic novel as much as I mm. would be by a, a standard prose novel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, and there's good or bad that come with that. Like, um, I'm not turned off because it's like I can't, I can't let my mind be subjected to another one of these books. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I find it, you know, rather easy to kind of get into them. And, you know, I still feel things reading them. I just don't feel them as kind of maybe as intensely as I do in other kind of media. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting because you've kind of dedicated your entire life. Is it just, is it that thing that where you can't watch something without having to pull it apart because you make that media? I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of have that with everything, but you, 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 can, <laughs> you dwell on, you dwell on comics more than uh, other forms. Like you don't mm. dwell on words when you're reading prose. Like you don't really slow mm. it down or bounce around a page to like find your favorite words on the page. Whereas like you know TV movies, you know if it was a horror movie, the time and the shock of it all is is set out for you. We all watch those with the same amount of time, um, mm. unless you're pausing and going to the washroom and getting you know some <laughs> snacks. <laughs> so I find with stuff like this, it's 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 harder to get fully lost in it because when you view the page you're kind of you're judging kind of the art and whether this works and you're kind of like your eyes kind of making its way around no matter how much they train you to like follow in the lines like you there's still a bit of a remove there when it's a graphic novel but but you get more into it i'm noticing with the manga i'm getting more into them than I would with uh, kind of the North American comics because they are so long. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, like because it's like just a physically longer story. Yeah, yeah, because it's a physically longer story. You mm. sit with the characters mm. for for a much longer time, so there's more of a chance to uh, for them to grab you. Like by by halfway through this, I was like, okay, I really I do really want to see what happens by the end of this for all the characters. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing. North American manga or North American comics and Japanese manga have in common uh, is like the, the unit of storytelling is the same, like about 20 to 30 pages ish uh, for serialized stuff, but they're collected so differently that the pacing feels different. Mm-hmm. Like six issues of a American comic versus, you know, one time, to- like one collection of a Japanese comic feels like a completely different genre. Sometimes. Yeah. This, this feels seamless. Yeah. And also like, you know, I, I, I've unfortunately been trained by, you know, the Marvel and DC of it all, where I'm, I'm constantly throwing in exposition and reminding the readers uh, why Wolverine is the best of what he does. <laughs> you know? Because it's not very nice? Yeah, or? but it's not quite, you know, the Claremont level of, like, where you have to explain yeah. the power set for the characters every issue. But, you know, that's always the note I would get from the editors. Like, remind people what this character's name is. Oh, again. really? Like well, people, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, <laughs> you know. This is a bit of a tangent, but you know, I remember uh, one of the writers was writing an X Men book, and uh, Captain America shows up, and one of the notes was, you know, um, make sure you name check Captain America. <laughs> His note back was like, if the reader doesn't know who Captain America is, we've done a really horrible job by now. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. um, pretty good. But 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 these just feel like. Uh, you know, like uh, serialized, like Dickens or Dostoevsky or whatever. Like it's not; they're not individual stories that are st- stitched together. They're actual chapters in a, a longer story. 
Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting because when we do get something that feels like individual stories that are stitched together, like Delicious and Dungeon, mm-hmm. you were like, does this turn into anything? <laughs> like, does this ever become... And it does. It absolutely yeah, does. Yeah. When the, when the like, it kicks into gear. But those initial chapters and are, are very much one and done mm-hmm. just to get you into the world. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of manga coming out right now that is very much in that vein that are like one and done chapters and it just builds an appreciation of characters over an arc rather than the big heavily mm. designed team is one that just came out that i read yeah that's just like basically all the gods up in heaven creating each animal on earth one at a time and every chapter is a new animal that they create and it's just like oh what a what a cool fun high high idea i feel like what the font next week is going to maybe be a little bit of that where it's just like mm. completely standalone chapters mm. and that's a really popular kind of manga because Who's got time? Who's got time? who's got time to read four hundred you know volumes of whatever? Who's got time to read a thousand too, chapters the, of one? Piece, it's the so. nature of serialization because you can think of the first couple of chapters as like the 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 pilot of a TV series. But, you know, like at any time mm-hmm. they're going to pull the plug on it, right? So it has to sit on its own, and then when it becomes like when it becomes fairly sh- fairly certain that it's going to keep going, like I think that's what happened with Delicious in Dungeon. It's like I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether she had like this grand epic plan for how the story was going to go, but it feels mm-hmm. like at a certain point it stops being this cooking thing and starts, like you said, it's going into the characters. This one is definitely not meant to be more than one sto- one volume of story. I mean, I feel like, like I don't think mm-hmm. I could stand another volume of this, you know, of. Th- this spiral I into... I kind of want to know what her performance uh, was going to be at the end. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the ending part was... That was very David Lynch. So I want to I want to talk about the ending here, and I want to, like... Does anyone have anything they want to say? Because the, the tone of this podcast is about to oh. shift pretty friggin' dramatically. Yes. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to say? Um, I want to say something about the women, in how she, how she draws women. Yeah, go ahead. One, the boobs are very realistic, and... Mm. When you see the scene where the the woman's breasts are like scarred with acid, you can, I can. There's a certain appreciation for that. Like I can say, like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that feels like a woman's body. You know the way and the way that hmm. the limbs move and the you know it's the way sex happens. It's for me like sometimes when I read comics, I I I see how some people, how some mostly men, but also some female people team of artists draw women in a way that seems like what <laughs> yeah like, have you ever seen a, a woman yeah. before yeah. is is a pretty common complaint but yeah. this feels yeah. very yeah. this was very that for however sketchy or like you know the big eyes or the giant the, the you know ju- ju- juicy lips it's kind of you know kardashian right the one thing else i want to mention too is in japan the sexism is heavy and the body the pressure to look a certain way is very heavy too. Um, like most, mm. like if you're not like a size, if you're not like a size small, you're in the big girls. You get sent to the big girls department to go buy clothes. You get you get teased mercilessly, yeah. and you are just considered a lesser than. So, the part where you know there's the, this pressure to be perfect and this pressure to be petite and have a small face and look look a certain way. I feel like this book really, really gets into that, particularly when when Lilico's sister, mm. you know, who is kind of chubby and kind of stumpy, 
and then she starts getting seduced at the idea of like once a sparrow, once a sparrow, now once a sparrow gets a taste, they want to become a peacock, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The girls teasing her was pretty sad. Yeah. I thought, because mm-hmm. it was, I don't know, did it ring true to you? I, I mean, I feel like you just explained how it rang true to you, but I wanted to like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, that's what you see in, um, in Japan. It, it's the, the, the way that you're judged for how you look is really strong. Like, um, so like, yeah. there's this model, Naomi Watanabe, who was in Kurai for Straight Guy Japan. Where she's, this, she's this plus-size yeah, model, yeah. and she's just, she just owns it, you know? Kind of like, um, li- yeah. like uh, Lizzo. Just kind of like mm-hmm. she's yeah. big, she's bold, and she just kind of owns it, and that is rare, you know. And and, and mm-hmm. she still is kind of treated as comic relief in some respects, but you know, she puts a stake in the ground and says, "You know, it's okay. It's I'm sexy like this." Mm. She's great. Her Instagram is uh, really good, by the way. If you follow her, she's she's so good. But yeah, I like that she's not saying, "Oh, I can never be the funny girl who's also like like chubby," but I can also be the funny girl who's chubby as well like she'll mm-hmm. do like glamour shots and she'll do r- serious stuff and she'll do comedy stuff and I, I really love that about her and i thought that yeah the the brutal scene in the book for me really was like out of all the depravity the way they went after mm-hmm. her sister mm-hmm. where it's like you're not just because like you're you're fat and you're not good looking and we hate you and because of that you're also stupid mm. like that's like the thing that got me it's like oh just looking at you being chubby you're an idiot look at her mm. she's a simpleton like it was that was that was real like that was some real shit like it you know i was fat all my life and uh, that was not dissimilar to things i heard on the playground but you know it's different for 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 guys for sure not 100 percent, but it's yeah. definitely different but uh like there's a very famous big and tall men's chain in in Japan. It's where I get all of my cool things. Mm. Uh, this one, actually. <laughs> uh, so, like, yeah, I actually love. Like, I think it's changing. You know, in in twenty 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 twenty, which is the last time I was in Japan, I can say mm. it's definitely a little different. I can find clothes that can fit me now because before it was it was like it was impossible, <laughs> right? So I think you know, I mean, partly yep. the the Western diet, you know, makes people bigger. <laughs> Let's let's face it. Yeah, but like physically bigger. Yeah, you're you're not the yeah. tallest person Yay, on the train West. anymore. Yay, like, West. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you know, like this being a product of that time when that pressure was much more intense. I think it's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to hear from people that the pressure is just as intense, but it's different now. Yeah. yeah. You know did, I mean? yeah. did you hear the thing about the Olympics today? Where the no, no, what Olympics chief said women talk too much during meetings. So he's not going to invite them anymore? <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't be invited. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't have the Olympics in Japan this year. Maybe there shouldn't be Olympics, <laughs> yeah. actually. But like, how far do you want to go? Like, uh, but, but yeah, that's... Well, I, sorry, it looks like they're not going to get to hold the Olympics. So I guess, you know, it's a victory of, of, yeah. of sorts. Well, when this, but, uh, when yeah. this airs, so I just, And I brought that up yeah. to right? say that yeah. sexism is not going... It's still there in Japan. There, there's been a fair amount of progress, yeah. but there's yeah, still absolutely. sexism in Japan. A lot of pressure to look a certain way. 
David, you wanted to say something before we switch forward too. Um, it was much less serious than Deb's. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. <laughs> okay, mine's pure, not serious. So I'm I'm, I'm excited yeah. to have a bridge. <laughs> uh, but speaking to the point of like kind of first chapters being pilots and the way it seems like one story that continues through. Um, one thing with a lot of longer serialized stuff like shonen manga and I imagine uh, shojo as well is the first volume will be one thing, mm. and then volumes two through whatever are like completely different. Mm. Sort of like you get your foot in the door, and now you can tell the story you. Really Really yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And I feel like this starts from like the story she really wants to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it felt it felt very planned out. I was going to say that. Um, yeah, what what really fascinated me by it was um, that there was clearly a plan with all the female characters to display um, different stages of a woman's life mm-hmm. and yeah. and how people view them. Like you know the the sister that we talked about like you know, being pressured into this, you know, the, the, the cute young model who's in this, like, this weird way too early prime where everything's just going well. And then Lilico and then mama, mm-hmm. which is also a fascinating character who's like yeah. just on the other end of it and taking yeah. advantage of it all. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's really, and the doctor too. The, I mean, they make, they make yeah. a point of saying that the doctor doesn't wear makeup and, you know, she just doesn't care about that kind of level of looking a certain way, but she helps she feeds into helping other women look a certain way, like a certain look, mm-hmm. which I mm. thought was interesting. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was such an amazing range of characters, mm. all each with their own point, but all mm-hmm. um, towards the larger point of the story, mm-hmm. which, is, which is super impressive from a storytelling point of view. The Mama character, uh, I had a hard time actually rereading this because in the movie, the live-action movie that they did of this in 2012, she's so good. She's... <laughs> fucking pure evil but like in a nonchalant like i guess these things happen like at the end of the movie that's her last line (laughs) sometimes things just happen and it's delivered with like such a like i don't give a fuck (laughs) kind of a vibe she actress on that is so good and i feel like i want to see this get the sense of that but it's it's not delivered the same way the other so the last two things i want to say is she doesn't use line weight she doesn't Mm. use line weight anywhere no. there's no line variation in the whole book it looks like it was drawn with tech pens it's incredible mm. to me such an artistic choice this is like her 20th volume of manga or something chronologically that she did so this was definitely a choice but yeah there's no line weight i think anywhere even like even when she does eyelashes she uses the same line weight but she just does really little marks I mean, which there, is really there's, fun there is line weight like she's using maybe two or three different tech pens mm. You think so? I'm looking I'm, in. I'm it's just a, like I'm on a page right now, three twelve, and the bottom three twelve. Let's do this. The bottom panel is uh, feathers, which has a much more delicate look than mm. the top panel. Yeah, maybe that was actually maybe that's nib. That doesn't look like tech pen. That looks like mm. nib because it doesn't line anyway. Like like there's 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 variety in the line. Like like it, it feels like it's being done with pen, uh, but. Um, you think it's nibs rather than okay? Uh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, it, it it could be, but there's not. There, you're right. There's not a lot of variety to it. But you know, uh, and I actually love the look of it. Um, if we ever get around to reading Natsume Ono's work, mm. I think I want to come back to that discussion because her work is incredible. But the other thing I want to talk oh. about real quick was um, uh, on page the line weight fifteen point. Yeah, David. Uh, what's the short version oh, of yeah. why not using any line weight or using very little line weight is impressive for our listeners who for don't me, know? Oh, okay. For me, you use 
uh, line weight is used to, to differentiate, to pull details forward mm-hmm. or backward, to pull characters forward or backward, to add depth and form, like adding a like a thicker line makes something look heavier or makes it look more in shadow. Even if it's like, a, even if you're just drawing a ball, where the line is heavier and where the line is lighter, uh, thicker or thinner, is where the light is hitting, for example. So it just mm-hmm. implies form in a way that's really clear. And for her to do this in a very similar line weight throughout and have everything have a deliberately like everything's on the same plane kind of a thing it never i don't know i feel like it just is such a good choice like all of these pages don't look like anything else but i kind of love them too and i feel like it's deliberately grotesque like it is off-putting and you're not supposed to like it and it you are supposed to maybe bounce off it which is kind of what i thought would happen this episode (laughs) at the same time i kind of I kind of love that she did that and was just like, yeah. Anyway. Also, when you when you when you stray away from using actual line weights, like uh, a variety of them, your mistakes are much more evident. Mm. Oh, like absolutely. it's so much easier. Mm. Like if like there's a reason mm. like the style that I draw in has a lot of thick to thin mm. because a lot of times I'm going over the line, fixing a thing, <laughs> and it's like oh now it's thick. Okay, <laughs> maybe now it's thin. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot more kind of kind of laid bare in this art style which it obviously goes with the theme if if it's a conscious choice Mm -hmm. and my other favorite uh female mangaka um well i love ano sensei too but is uh, ayazawa Mm. who did nana and paradise kiss this is the one i recommended last week and her work is all about Mm. the line weight like she loves creating like depth and form but we'll go to just like one like thin line to pop a character like to make a character flat deliberately, but uh, she's really good. I feel at using line weight, and I think that something like this it just gives it a, I don't know, it's like an ethereal look almost. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to explain, but uh, I really gravitated to that. But I also liked her layouts. I thought her use of full width panel pages for reveals was really good. There's a really good, but. Like, actually, objectively bad. <laughs> it's objectively wrong, and like Will Eisner would be spinning in his grave. Mm-hmm. Page 1415, this double page spread. Page 15 in particular, the reading order of mm. the panels is wrong. There's no clear reading order. Even if you're reading right to left, you can read any of the panels on this page in any order. And any of the panels on this page, except for the absolute top, oh, it's Lilico, Lilico, super cute on page 14. You can read them in any order because it is snippets of conversations. It's girls, it's women, it's people talking about fashion, and it's cutting scene to scene. Like it's all scene to scene transitions, but on the same page, on the same subject in a McLeod kind of a way. And the fact that she did this to introduce um, the book, that it's deliberately like, it's not cluttered, but it's busy. And it's like information overload, but it's not like it, it sidesteps a lot of the problems with that. It goes out of its way to show lots of different women in different situations interacting or responding to Lilico before we get to the next page, which is the, again, the full width reveal of Lilico in Mm. front of the mirror. What the (laughs) fuck is this? Uh, Like, and you realize that this like cute, sweet girl, like it's like a pretty standard like trope of like pulling the wool out. But I just love that first two page spread and the two page spread with the magazine reveals after Lilico's secrets are found out at the end. I liked a lot. There's another two page spread that I thought was really good. And she just, yeah, I loved her full page, her full full width panel reveals, but I also love things like the close up mm-hmm. on her eye here, 
where it goes from like, uh, 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 and you could see like, you could just uh. feel the tension building where she isn't afraid to do moment to moment transitions either, transitions either. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yep. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of stuff in this artistically. I really, really like, or at least responded to. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not surprising that so many, like a literally a generation or maybe two of women mangaka in Japan, like, there's there's like ten years after this came out in 1995 where everything looks oh. like this across the board in Jose manga and I think it it's it's hard because there's like none of it's been translated none of it's been released here and it's one of those things that like gets me excited about going to Japan and seeing all the stuff that you know you read one sentence about in Wikipedia and then here's like a whole fucking bookshelf and you get to actually mm. dig in so yeah. it's pretty fun they're much more stylish and, and um like what was that the one the woman who did Supply? Her yeah, stuff is yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah. Less controlled than that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I like it feels angry. D- doesn't it like at every panel that Lilico's in, even when she's like happy, feels angry to me. <laughs> but there's also real weird like eighties what's that eighties Japanese music that all the kids are into these days where it all sounds like yacht rock. City pop? Yeah, yeah. city pop. There's like a real city pop illustration vibe to a lot of the like pinupy illustrations of Lilico in this that is like almost like parody. Like it's another level of translation that you, we, we never had city pop originally. So when we look at this, we don't see it. But I think the kids today that are into that city pop aesthetic are going to look at it and go, oh, this is dark city pop. This is what this was. So that's good. So yeah. And Chip, any final thoughts before I want to just switch and talk about one thing before we move to the end? Uh, no, I mean, I just in terms of talking about art styles, like I think I'm so used to like looking at comic book art and being like, how, how can this be fixed? How can this be corrected? Yeah. Because that's how we're kind of used to looking at uh, comic book art because it has, it has a story to tell and you don't want to be distracted mm. by things like that. Whereas fine art, you can kind of break rules all the time. Like I'm, I'm starting to kind of like trying to reframe the way I view comics with this book <laughs> and be like, Oh, is, nice. um, like that hand's not right, but is it helping? Like the, like the hand the on the back across? cover isn't right. Mm, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Is, it, but is it is it helping getting the feeling across? Is it helping the story? Like, what is it? What what are they trying to do, and are they successful with it? And then mm. they are clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Natsumiono. We're we're gonna love Natsumiono. I, I can't wait. <laughs> so if you read all the way to the end of this book you get to the last page and it says to be continued. And there was no continuation of this because if you flip past the biography page uh, of Okazaki sensei to the very last page, and it's called a note from Shodensha, mm-hmm. uh, note from Shodensha's publishing Japanese edition. So I'm going to read it because it's the best way to actually just say this. Cause it's the official way. After the serialization of Helter Skelter ended in May of 1996, Kyoko Okazaki was struck by a drunk driver. She is still currently in rehabilitation. Under normal circumstances, manga goes through a process of revisions and corrections before being published in Tonkaban or omnibus format. But in this case, accepting some changes confirmed with Ms. Okazaki, the work has been published as is. Ms. Okazaki has been slowly but surely recovering, and we sincerely hope to publish a more nearly perfect edition in the future. We would like to thank everyone involved with bringing this work to publication, including Mayoko Ano. We are especially grateful to Ms. Okazaki's family and offer our thanks and respect from the bottom of our hearts, editorial department. So that was the note that was included in the 2003 edition and 
There was never another edition. The 2003 edition is the one that remained in print. And many of her other works, uh, short works, rarities, etc., have been bought back into print from a variety of publishers over the years. But unfortunately, Okazaki-sensei never fully recovered. Um, and it is unlikely she will ever make manga again. And she was hit by a drunk driver. And it's uh, it kind of, well... It was a it was a blow. It was a blow to everybody involved. And it was it reverberated throughout the industry because this was pretty much seen as the height of her powers, this like critical, thoughtful, like excoriation of all of these values of all of the work that she had been doing, had been built on, but you know, and that was this is it. So this actually, um, as it as it mentioned, this was published in ninety six, and this actually wasn't the end of the story. The story was supposed to continue, and I think that there was even a chapter, I heard through the grapevine, let's say, that there was a chapter that was in progress, that this wasn't a finished serialization that hasn't been collected or seen or whatever. And, you know, the fact that it says at the end, I think, to be continued, it's sort of a a rallying cry for her to get better, like a gambare, you know, you can do it, gambate sort of a thing. But yeah, this was the last manga she made, and they waited until 2003 to release it in the hopes that she would heal and get better and uh it didn't happen and it adds a really this is a disturbing manga it is cynical it is mean it is unsettling but it adds a really sad note as well to the work for me and it's especially seeing how the the ways of the work has continued Mm -hmm. to live on and i i knew the story of okazaki sensei and what had happened to her going into this work and i was curious chip did you did you flip to the back? Did you research this before you read it? Did you get yeah. to the end of the story and then discover what had happened? Yeah, yeah. That's how I discovered it by finishing the story. Yeah, same boat. David Deb. Oh yeah, no, I, I had heard about her accident before. When... Mm. And it, I I'm upset because I know I'll never get to read the story like David, you and you and Chip did without mm-hmm. knowing that. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Like things like the accidents that the lead character causes take on a different weight Mm -hmm. for sure. There are elements of the story that are, yeah, that's like, that's really tough. And knowing that, especially with the ending now, with the Twin Peaksy stuff, that maybe that was intended to eventually develop into something. Mm -hmm. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been, yeah, it made me really question when we were undertaking this project, this was one of the books I wanted to talk about. It's one of my favorite standalone uh, Jose graphic novels, whether or not I would recommend it. Cause it's, you know, kind of a bummer episode to end on, frankly, but I still wanted to mention it because I think her work needs to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And that was really important for me. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the work is the work, like, uh, mm. it's horrible what happened to her, but the work still just kind of stands on its own mm. to not, you know, bring it onto the show because of the accident would be weird, I think. So for me, I actually read this book specifically because I was asked to introduce a film at a film festival, the film adaptation mm-hmm. of Helter Skelter. In 2012, there was a, a movie made of this book. So again, 10 years again removed from when the book came out, which was itself like eight years removed from when it was serialized. And I read the book. I read everything about Kozaki. I was like ready to go. And the film adaptation is weird as hell. It is a note for note, page for page, nearly adaptation of this this book. But it is lush. It's like 
this book, they turned around and the mangaka who does uh, Atelier of Witch Hat mm-hmm. or something, or like Oliver Koipel or Alex Ross did a version of this in like the lushest, brightest colors. Like the whole thing is 2012, but it still looks like it's got a really fancy Instagram filter on it, like the whole movie. And it's, I can't explain how antithetical it is to my <laughs> love of the manga, but I still love the film. It really is a completely different beast than mm-hmm. though. And when you see her and she's legitimately beautiful, she's played by like an idol, like a really beautiful actress idol in this. And you see that she's doing these terrible things, but she's beautiful, like beautiful, beautiful. It adds a completely different layer and going back. And like mm-hmm. I said, the, the Mama-san uh, character is, is so much more vicious and I think developed mm-hmm. in the movie because they had to, you know, they chopped a couple characters. They tightened the focus a little bit. It's a movie, right? Mm-hmm. But everything else is still in it. But it also changes the ending a oh. little bit in a way that I think is just a tiny way. But I think, David, you would find fulfilling. And I can... It's on Netflix Japan, and it has subtitles, miraculously, English subtitles. So you got a VPN. You want to go watch Helter Skelter. You can just type in Helter Skelter into Netflix if you've got your VPN set to Japan. But the big change is, at the end, uh, they're not in Mexico, uh, because flying a film crew to Mexico is expensive if you're (laughs) filming in Japan. Uh, They're in Shibuya, and the whole ending takes place in Shibuya. But at the at the like freak club that Lilico's in at the end, Hada is still her assistant, and Hada's boyfriend works in the club. She they're still with her at the end, Ooh. the big Lilico reveal, and I think it adds a different layer. It adds a very velvet goldminey layer to the ending of that movie. If you've, you've seen a velvet goldmine with uh, the manager that's with them the whole time, actually, there's a lot of parallels between velvet goldmine and this manga. Uh, a lot, actually. Ooh. But anyway, so the manga, the manga, everything that you're complaining about, the like, the awkwardness, the like, the gesturality of it is really made concrete in the movie. And it's a completely different viewing experience. And I, I think it's a huge, it, it's a, it creates an even bigger disconnect between the manga and the audience, I think, uh, with this work. And I, yeah, I just wanted to share that because it was that was w- how I discovered and why I decided to read this manga. I read it before I read Pink, even even though Pink had come mm. out a couple of years earlier. So yeah, I wanted to like mention that because that that movie puts a real different <laughs> vibe <laughs> to these tellings, and I think it makes me think makes me really appreciate the like. That's maybe why I've been so effusive about the art in this is because once you see this lushly rendered, it's very different. It's much more of a it's it's not less it's not more horrible. It's more I don't know. Spare. I don't know. It's also. I'm just imagining Baz Luhrmann's Helter Skelter. <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> Honestly, if you if you get a sec, just pull up just pull up the trailer on YouTube. It's still there. It's in 480p because the past is very low res. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's Baz Luhrmann's Helter Skelter. Like it is just like up and bright and like the feathers. So many feathers and they're all fucking CGI. They're everywhere. Nice. Uh, it's. <laughs> everything's like that deep red purple and there's mirrors and like, it's, it's a lot. It makes me appreciate the art in this even more. So if I can make one from the heart recommendation is even if you look at some of the art for this or you start reading it and you get put off and you don't have a podcast, that's going to make you finish it, finish it. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll come around. That was my takeaway, but I think I want to go back to the group. Deb, we'll start with you. What was your, what was your takeaway then? How did you feel about, uh, 
it overall? And and would you recommend it? Would you tell other people to read it? Would you recommend Pink instead? I'm I'm really curious. Helter Skelter is a much more satisfying read and and much more accessible read than Pink. Pink Pink is a good second read. Mm. It's more. It's a little lighter. It's a little kooky. Mm. But this is kind of satisfying in a in a sense that I could. It's it's a even though she's in this Japanese world of fame. It's a very universal world of fame. So I think you, you don't have to be mm. immersed in Japanese culture to appreciate the story. And I, I could even imagine, as you were saying about the movie, I could even imagine this being adapted into a European or a West uh, American movie with not too much, pro- with not too much mm-hmm. problems. The art, mm-hmm. like I said, is, re- is very distinct. And that's very, that's very rare, right, with, with manga, that you have someone who has a, such a distinct mm. style. I think mangaka who you can you can count as having a distinct, very recognizable, very uniquely their own style is quite rare, and and mm. also that it's very stylish and very, frankly, female. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it hits me where I think like yeah, this woman it's written by a woman, and a woman who has known some mm. hard truths and what has something to say. Mm-hmm. She, she's she's, she's seen, seen some, some shit. shit. Uh, <laughs> David, how about you? How did you how did you come out of the other end of this? Uh, similar to Deb, I think I would recommend it. I think it's amazing that every book I've read in like the Jose category has been like emotionally mm-hmm. harrowing. There's not like a <laughs> yeah. chill Jose book yet. I'm, I'm always looking, but no, like the art, like it came together with the story really well. Like the way the characters interacted. Like the way they, they stayed in some clearly like horribly abusive relationships for reasons that weren't expressed, but you could kind of intuit. I thought that was kind of an interesting mm. approach. Yeah, and overall, it was just a solid read about fame and terrible people, like Deb was saying. Like I can see it being set anywhere in any industry, any location, like it's sort of universal mm. in that sense. Did you guys feel it was dated? It is pretty old now. I didn't no. even notice it was the, there was yeah. Instagram. No. <laughs> there you go. That's for a manga written in '96. That's yeah. pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I would say a couple of the characters look very uh, Britpop, mm. which mm. maybe kind of dates it a little bit, but um, <laughs> Britpop always comes around. So I don't know. True. Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking to me that this was written while I was in high school. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. So, Chip, final thoughts. This is this is the this is the first book uh, that we've looked at where I would recommend it for adults. And when I when I say adults, I don't just mean someone like eighteen plus. I mean somebody who's actually looking for something that maybe is uh, a bit more challenging and will make you think and like is supremely well told over an entire story. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know when this is going to air, but you know they announced the Golden Globes today, and uh, I May Destroy You was not on it. Mm. I don't know if any of you have watched I May Destroy You. But uh, I no, wanted no. to, but the title looked accurate, so I decided to wait. Oh, it is. It is. It is. Like you had, I, I couldn't. I couldn't watch it at the beginning of the pandemic. But like when I, when I started to run out of stuff, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's so well done and well crafted. And uh, I'm discussing it with friends, I'm like, it just feels like it's like a it's a show made for adults where it's like not giving you answers and, and you know, there's gray areas and it's characters struggling, but the stuff that was nominated, is just like, you know, I'm not going to name specific things, but just is juvenilia. And, um, <laughs> yeah. 
and I'm, I'm really struggling with that lately. Just like also, you know, working for Marvel and DC, you know, I'm, I'm contributing to this. I'm sure, <laughs> but, but this was this is so this felt really refreshing because like oh this is like a this is a proper you know uh, a, a book that just kind of delves into issues and mm-hmm. thoughts and the characters that you know aren't going to come out on the other end mm-hmm. okay mm. yeah yeah so I, I I quite enjoyed it but I think it'd be it's a very specific person that I would um, recommend mm-hmm. it to. Well then, that was uh, that went okay. I was a little bit worried about this choice, like I said, all along. <laughs> Thanks so much for indulging me and for reading what I think is a great book. I hope it inspires you, uh, listeners at home, to maybe pick this one up and, and check it out as well. It's it's a real good one. And so that was Helter Skelter by Kyoko Kozaki, published by Vertical Inc., a.k.a. Kodansha Comics, because I think Vertical Inc. is officially no more these days. Uh, Kodansha Seinen, whatever they end up calling Uh. it. So, yeah, you know, it it happens. They call that vertical integration. They call that vertical integration. Oh, (laughs) the writer, the writer speaks up. Yeah, I'm glad we could do this book. Thanks so much, everyone, for for that one. We're going to do shout-outs. We're we're doing shout-outs this week, and I'm just going to go around the... Well, have, as the people appear on my screen. Uh, and the first up is Chip. Chip, what do you want to shout out this well, week? Well, I already kind of shouted it out. I May Destroy You. Mm. Um, I don't know where it's available in America, but it was on Crave here in uh, in Canada. It's just, it's a, a stunning work of art. Mm. Uh, masterfully executed. And, and people should check it out. It's wildly uncomfortable. I'll just say that. And it it, 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 it kind of goes with our... With our book yeah, it raises a lot of like hard questions and um, uh, ethical dilemmas, and but it's if if if, if you can summon the strength <laughs> to start <laughs> to get into it, um, you'll be hooked and you'll you'll watch it through to the end. It's uh, it's amazing. What's it about? I may destroy you. Uh, it, it starts off with a, a woman in London who gets drugged at a bar, and uh, a lot of the series is her kind of piecing it together, trying to figure out what happened that night mm. but it but it, it takes you down a bunch of different roads and it's like a uh critique of social media oh, which, wow. which uh which hit me pretty hard it's it's yeah it's it's a great show uh deb what is your shout out this week uh, my binge read this week is all rounder meguru oh really oh, it's Endo. yeah <laughs> it's about uh it's a it's a manga by this the creator of Eden, it's an endless world. Mm. So he's an amazing um, draftsman. He can draw people very well. He can draw action very well. But it's a, it's a manga about uh, mixed martial arts. It's, it reminds me of like um, Hachime no Ippo in that it's about a high school boy who he's inherently good-hearted, but he's going into a very brutal sport. Mm. And he's surrounded by these grown-ups who also, you know, like, so you, it gets into like the difference between Brazilian jiu-jitsu and karate and judo and there's like these female characters too that are really kick-ass, but they're also very human. And every now and then there's like these weird moments of just bizarre humor. Like the, one of the recent volumes is like they go out to Tohoku for a tournament and then they have their, their banquet at the, at the inn. And then the, the women are like, well, I'd like to raise a toast to everyone being here. And then I'd normally have the guys, you know, the leader of this 
who arranged this tour to come up and speak. But then they cut to the other side of the room and all the men are naked and <laughs> dancing around and drunk and <laughs> doing shit with like... And it's just hilarious. So there's these moments of really great humor in there. And also it, it he he explains a lot about wrestling and judo and mixed martial arts and Muay Thai. And it's super interesting. So I... The, uh, Kodansha has volumes 1 to 12 available free as Comixology Unlimited. So I just zipped through that. And then they got me on the hook to pay for <laughs> volumes 13 to 18. <laughs> so, yeah, I see your game there, Kodansha. Yeah. You got me good. It's, I love it. David, what is your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to shout out an Instagram account, which I feel like Ooh. is oh. uh, relevant to the conversation today. Uh, Moyoko Ano who was, you mentioned, I think assisted Kyoko Okazaki on a few works and is a big booster in general. Her Instagram account is amazing. It's M-O-Y-O-C-O underscore A-N-N-O. And it's just her drawing and sketching different, incredibly handsome and beautiful people. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it, like if you want something positive on the like internet, a good it is, this is it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. I will. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well, so that people can click on it yeah. too. And uh, it's it, just quickly, Deb. It's funny you mentioned Hiroki Endo. I really wanted to recommend either of his uh, short story series uh, collections, which are called Tenpenshu, or mm. uh, the first volume of Eden. I don't really like where the series goes after the initial story. There's like a, Eden Volume One has like a like a really long. I guess what we would call a pilot chapter and then it gets into the real story and then it goes on for like 10 volumes, but all of his work is out of print. Uh, Dark horse mm. has let it, has let it slide. So uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance, Hiroki Endo's Endo's um, Tanpenchu short story collections are, are great. But uh, my shout out, my official shout out is I came across entirely by accident. They released a short film celebrating the 1000th chapter of One Piece being published uh, in Japan on YouTube, uh, on the One Piece channel or the Shueisha channel or the Shonen Jump channel or whatever it is in Japan. So you just type One Piece 1000 into uh, YouTube. It's the top entry. It'll come right up. And it's got the English subtitles, which is awesome. And it's just a short film about what... 20 years of One Piece uh, being published in Japan looks like. 20 years of comics by one dude, like a thousand chapters, and how the people who read it as kids grew with it and how different parts of the stories meant different things to them at different parts of their lives. It's so good. <laughs> it's like it like it all the feels like making you cry like it's an insurance com you know commercial <laughs> where you get to see the little girl grow up in 30 seconds and she's going to be okay because you've got life insurance. Exactly that kind of like end of Mr. Holland's opus, you know, like forced uh. tears kind of goodness. But it's so good. It's uh, it's got that shonen fighting spirit. And even if you don't like One Piece, I think if you love comics, if you love books, I th it's amazing that they were like, we're going to celebrate this book doing well. And we're going to make like a like a five minute film that obviously they did a 30 second version of that they could run as commercials on TV to yeah. celebrate this with like actors and high, like beautiful camera work and stuff. It was it was shocking to me. And it was one of those like, oh, right. Fucking Japan uh, <laughs> moments, uh, like good Japan moments that, uh, that did me, that did me pretty good. So if you type one piece, 1000 into YouTube, it's there. Now, should I watch it having never read one piece? Yeah. It's, uh, it's not any more of a spoiler than, than anything. It's, it's really great. Uh, it's got the occasional, no, it'll, it'll still make you tear up. It's just the music and whatever it's, 
touch manipulative it's good you love it you love it (laughs) all right and on that note it's time for recommendations for what we're going to read next so as you know this is helter skelter week next week it is what the font which was deb's pick and then the week after that and i don't have it yet is wave listen to me Oh, sorry. What the font is by Kunichi Ashia and Wave Listen to Me is by um, Samura, right? Hiroki Samura? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The week after that, we have to choose four. And after last week's episode, we were kind of talking a little bit, and it's like, it's sad that one of us keeps making, we, we, like, two of us make recommendations, <laughs> and it's like, eh, and Chip hates them. <laughs> and only one gets picked because, so we've got, like, a list of everything we've recommended that hasn't been picked. So we're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit. The three books that we're recommending today we're all we're going to do them all because we believe in them as books that chip should read be forced to read all right but to toss chipper a bone to toss him a bone we'll let him choose the order in which he has to read them all right so i think that that's that's a fair compromise and that way we're not just like literally recommending books that are getting thrown into a fire after after they don't get picked so on that note since i went today deb what is your first pick or your next pick I'm going to go at Yotsuba. Oh, I love Yotsuba. It is cute. Yotsuba is really funny and Mm. it's really well drawn. Mm. And it's um, the comedy is very gentle slice of life. It's about a a girl. um, I think she's like preschool age. She has green hair and she is adopted by a, a, a a young man. So he's like a, a who acts as her dad and they move back to his hometown. And so she's kind of innocent. She seems kind of like not quite from Japan. She seems a little innocent and not quite hip to the ways of the world. You kind of wonder whether she's a space alien sometimes. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. But, you know, the, the, it's like basically Yotsuba, the, the title is Yotsuba To, which means Yotsuba and. So Yotsuba and pancakes, Yotsuba and flowers. So mm. all these little things that she encounters and... Um, I, I just got to say that the besides the you'll appreciate on the art level because the art is great, but the comedy, which is which is so hard to translate, comes across both visually and in the writing. Okay, it's, right. re- it's terrific. David, have you read that one? Yeah, I love that one. Oh, okay. I was like, because you kind of love that that style of humor, the Nichijo uh, city style of like oblivious, delightful humor. Yeah, let's say uh, I'm, Nichijo's even more abstract than Yotsuba. Hmm. Like I think Yotsuba is still firmly in kind of the sitcom-y kind of vein. Yeah. Uh, While Nichijo is, well, we might get there in some later episode. (laughs) Actually, so on that note, yeah. So so David, is is Deb's recommendation your recommendation this week as well? Uh, No, I've got one of my own, but I do like Deb's recommendation. So it's win-win for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Nobu- Nobuaki Tarano's 7 Billion Needles. This was a vertical oh. release from, mm. I don't know, 10 years ago, 2013. Is that in print? Yeah, actually, they're, uh, they re-released it in digital, and it should be back in print through Kodansha, mm. maybe. Mm. What's it about? Essentially, like a young girl, it goes on a class trip to the beach, and then she looks up, you know, in the night sky and she's like, oh, man, like nighttime is so beautiful. And then a meteor hits her and she's completely disintegrated. And then on the next page, she wakes up and she's like, oh, that was such like a horrible dream. And she kind of has to solve the mystery of what happened to her after the meteor hit her. And it's loosely based on an old sci-fi novel by Hal Clement called uh, Needle. 
And so it's seven billion needles follows on from that. But it's okay. a four part sci-fi epic that I remember being really good eight years ago, apparently. <laughs> Can I, uh, so this actually isn't in print. It's only available in digital right now, but mm. that's okay. Or at least it's not available in print right this second. Can I suggest to chip? I know this is getting, <laughs> we keep <laughs> suggesting a longer series, but I kind of like to do all four volumes on this yeah. one. I'd mm. like to talk about it as a series. It's yeah. a short series and we've never done that before. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, Mm-hmm. You want to you want to do that? Okay, they're actually pretty short volumes. I think that they're only like 180, 180 pages each. So okay. yeah, let's do all four pa- all all four volumes. I think that'll be cool. really good then. And yeah, I've always I only know that one because it went out of print super quick after it was released, and the volumes <laughs> were always going for like 40, 50, 60 bucks. So what? Uh, I'm glad. So uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the cheapest that volume three is on Amazon right now is one hundred and two dollars. So so Chris, based let's read it digital. So Chris, based on your suggestion that we should read all four volumes, is David's pick your pick this week as well? <laughs> Fuck no! <laughs> Get wrecked. Harsh. Uh, my pick is. I mean, anyone who knows me knows this has been coming. My favorite mangaka is Taiyo Matsumoto. He came to TCAP in 2013. He was nice enough to do a poster for us. And we became friends afterwards, which was rare and nice. And I still get to see him when I go back to Japan. It's a really this nice is, time. This is, really... this is unfair. This is unfair. Yeah. Because if I reject this, I'm rejecting you and your friend. Well, we could. I'll let you choose. Right. I'll let All you right. choose. There's two different books. Um, the book that changed me on manga and anime to start <laughs> appreciating seinen work was tech on king creek which was released in as black and white and if you remember back the old wef days forum um pulp magazine was coming out the editors of pulp alvin Liu, who ended up becoming the head of viz for a while and is now the head of kodansha was releasing this magazine of like adult mature manga to north america and i would buy pulp and i would love it but the one serial i couldn't fucking stand in this like manga anthology magazine was black and white because the art was weird as you can see it's kind of like mm-hmm. does not look exactly what you're thinking the art might look like for for a manga so um they released it as a trade paperback and I sat and I read the trade paperback all at once and I got it. I was like, Oh my God, manna from heaven. I fucking get this book. So for me, it was a really transformative book and we're kind of going through the transformative book hit parade for the books that I'm recommending here. So I thought we got this one, but the book that he did right after just, tech on King Creek, tell me what the book is, is ping pong. Whoops. Okay. It's, Oh, I've been and it's a two-volume series. So Tech on King Creed is three volumes in Japan, one big volume. Ping Pong was five volumes in Japan, two big volumes. This is volume two. Volume one's around here somewhere. Oh, I can see it. Oh, it's only two volumes. Yeah, they did it. Um, yeah, they got it down to two volumes. I'm kind of impressed. Ping Pong is the... I don't, I don't talk about what I did at Viz because, you know, NDAs and shit. But I can say Ping Pong is the book I personally caused to be published in english uh so this book would literally not exist in english if it weren't for me i fucking love this book and it's the book he did right after tech on so you can break my heart in either like one of two ways which way would you like to break my heart okay so first of all are you actually (laughs) are you suggesting both of these books uh no i'm going to suggest tech on i think tech on is the way to go but if that i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be honest i I got shit from a friend of mine named Ed Chavez, who I love, who runs Denpa Publishing. And he's like, it does no good to review books 
months or years after they come out. And Elter Skelter was one of his. And it, yeah, it didn't get very much attention when it came out. It was kind of a bummer that it didn't because there was no more books by Kyoko Okazaki released after that. Ping Pong is fresh. Ping Pong Volume 2 just came out before Christmas. So if we talk about Tekon Kincrete, it's a classic. It's It's got a two, it's got a movie adaptation. There's all kinds of stuff. If we talk about Ping Pong, it might actually boost the sales and they might use it as like a nudge <laughs> to to publish there's more. Also very style- Oh, sorry. Oh, this. He's also very stylish. Ping pong. Anime. Yeah, there's an anime and a live action. Great to watch. So, I'm torn. I want to release. I want to do the first one in order so that you read that one. It's the earliest book of his. Uh, it's kind of the earliest book of his. It's in print, and there's a digital copy that was just released actually last year as well. His work wasn't available in digital previously, but we could also recommend ping pong. And that might actually goose the sales a little bit, but that's like a way longer. That's like a seventy dollar or sixty dollar. <laughs> oh, Canadian, it's like an eighty dollar investment versus uh, Tekkon, which is only thirty. Uh, but it's newer, so it might boost it. So, you know, I'll let you choose which one of those you want to read, and then I'll let you choose the order between Yotsuba, Seven Billion Needles, or which Matsumoto you want to do. It's all in your hands, buddy. It's a lot. Okay. Of well, first of all, <laughs> not fair. First of all, Chris, I'm gonna. Much like last week, I'm going to tell you this. It's straight from my heart. You are so bad at this. <laughs> I don't know what Tekken is. I don't know what yeah, Tekken yeah. is. All you've done is talk about everything around this book. I have no idea. Is Tekken a kitchen comedy? I have no idea. Oh. So you're done. You're done. You're cut off. You're cut no. off. You're cut off. The order is Deb first because I need a real nice palate cleanser from Helter Skelter. <laughs> David is next because because I'd, I'd like some fun sci-fi. Chris, you choose either one of those; it's fine. I have a, a, an idea that ping pong is about ping pong. That's uh, all I've got. We're gonna do we're gonna do tech on King Crete, okay. but everyone should read ping pong. All right, that's we'll my do, second we'll, shout out this episode. We'll do tech on so, King Crete, which tech on King Crete available as one volume, digital and print from Biz Media. Uh, so, but yeah, we'll have all of this information on the website as well, so you guys can like. It's- it's about two boys who are juvenile and it's about the end of their world. Thank you. It's Deb. about the end of the world. Thank you, Deb. <laughs> yeah, Deb and David are much better at the, uh, the personal stories, but I am not selling the manga very well. And I have taken your feedback to heart. <laughs> and so this is gonna be a long one. This is gonna be a long one. Thanks everyone for sticking in and listening yeah. to this episode. I appreciate it. We are the manga explaining crew. I appreciate. Uh, all of you for being here. Thank you for listening to me fucking talk and talk and talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> and on that note, let's let's call it let's call it an episode. Let's call it an episode. All right. Bye. Bye y'all. All right. This has been Mangasplaining, episode number four, Helter Skelter by Kyoko Okazaki, published by Vertical Inc. and Kodansha Comics. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga What the Font by Kunichi Ashia and Masayuki Yamamoto, published by Yen Press. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop, and you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.